Welcome once again to WordServe. I'm Pastor Bill. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to meet you. I'll be right at the door over here as church lets out. We are starting a new sermon series because, after all, it's Christmas time. So it's appropriate that we talk about comfort and joy. Now, here's the interesting thing about comfort and joy when it comes to the Bible. Sometimes less is more. What do I mean by that? Here's where we're going over the next few weeks. A lot of less but a lot of more, because all of the people that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, each one of these is a character, but I'm not giving you their name, I'm giving you their state. So the first one we're going to talk about is child-less, then we'll talk about husband-less, then we'll talk about worth-less, and I bet you can't guess who we're saving up for Christmas Eve. Self-less, you know who it is, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert, right? All right, so childless is the word of the day, but before we get into that part, I want to ask you, how many people have already prepared their wish list? Wow, you guys are behind the eight. You can do it electronically, you know. You can just put that out on their Amazon. Yeah, I would love to have this. And then you forget about it, and then you get back to it later, and there's like a million items in there. Like, I, I don't really wish for that, do I? I? I don't know. If it ever came at once, I'd be broke. But my wish list is loading. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I, you know, over the course of a few trips around the sun, you always have that one gift that you want. Man, if I could just get that, my world would be perfect. I would have joy. It would be happy. When I was a kid, it was a Red Ryder BB gun. You know, one of those things. Uh, yeah, put your eye out, right? <laughs> Quote from the Christmas movie. Nice. Uh, you know, that got boring. After a while, you had to get a more high-powered one, and that got boring. You know, and so on. So it's never quite enough. And so I'm always constantly searching for that joy, that happiness, that sense of fulfillment. How about you? Are, are you in that same boat? You know, when I think of wish lists, I, I, for, I don't know, for some weird reason, my mind always goes to Miss America because I always ask Miss America, if you were Miss America, what would you wish for the country? It, and you know where I'm going with this, right? It's, it's that time of year where we need peace, right? And for once, I, I don't know, Miss America might be onto something because I think it's time that we stop the senseless violence and visualize world peace, all right? <laughs> Maybe Miss America's got something going on. I don't know. <laughs> Those are peas making a map of the world, if you can't tell. You know how long I searched for that image? It was amazing, right? So <laughs> that's so bad as good, right? I promise, no more today. That's it. You're, I'm over quoted. But a lot of times, we, we think about world peace. We want world peace but we don't know how to get it. And, and I'm gonna build a case today for someone who uh, made a wish list and they had a good wish list. I'm not gonna say that they were wrong in their wish list, but that wish list, wish list was changed by God. And once that wish list was changed by God, amazing things happened. In fact, things that are so amazing that we would not be here today probably if that hadn't happened. That's how crazy this is. So as you look at your wish list, I'm curious, what is it that you're looking for to find that joy? What is it that's going to make you fulfilled? What is that one gift that you could have that you never need another gift ever again? If you know what that is, great. But if you're still searching like the majority of Americans are today, heck, the majority of the world, let's be honest, then you're in good company today because we're going to talk about how to find that. And we're going to look at it not just from what we want to be fulfilled, but to find joy. Now, the joy that I'm talking about is not a momentary, ha-ha, and there was much rejoicing. This joy is permanent. This joy cannot be taken away. This joy is eternal, and it's from this book. So it's trustworthy, and it's true. 
So the setting for today, the thing that I want to walk us through is about a man named Zechariah. Now, does anybody know who Zechariah was? There's a prophet, but that's not him. Okay, good. This will be good. All right, so Zechariah. Here's the thing. He's married to a woman called Elizabeth. Is this ringing any bells now? There we go. Now we're on a roll. All right, so those of you who are playing the home game, Zechariah and Elizabeth come from a priestly line. They have great pedigree. Uh, she is a descendant of Aaron. He is of the line of priests that have come all the way through Israel, and he's a priest. So hence the picture on his Facebook page. Right? So <laughs> here's the thing. They were from super-duper pedigree. Like, they did everything. They were righteous in the sight of God. If you read the first part of the... I'm not going to read it all because it would be here forever, but if you read the first part of this, you know that they are blameless and righteous in the sight of God. I mean, I can't think of anybody who would be more favored by God. But there's just one problem. They're childless. Elizabeth is barren. She cannot have a son. Now, we, we say, oh, that's, that's a shame, and, and you know, maybe they could do some other things. But in that day, if you were childless, it was kinda, you were looked at differently by society because your job was to produce children, be fruitful and multiply. And if you couldn't do that, you were somehow second class. And if I were Zechariah and Elizabeth, I would be wondering, what else can I do, God? I'm, I'm blameless. I'm righteous in your sight. Why? Do we have this upon us? Why can't we just have a child? And they get up in years, and it goes on and on. And he's a priest. Like I said, he's a priest. So here's the way that the priesthood worked in that day. You know, they, they had kind of a duty that they shared. There were roughly 18,000 priests in Israel at the time. So when you did your priestly duty, it was kind of like guard duty. You know, you uh, twice a year, average, they would come and they would stay for a week and they would serve in the temple. Now, there was a variety of roles. You know, some of them were greeters. Some of them served the coffee. Uh, some of them, you know, Hebrews. Uh, some of them served other things. Some of them handed out programs. They ran PowerPoint, you know, all that kind of stuff. I promise no more bad jokes. Okay, that's it, really. I, <laughs> some of them did various things. But one person, one person was selected to go into the Holy of Holies. Now, if you know anything about the Holy of Holies, inside the temple, there was the, the outer court, there was the inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies, and only one high priest went in there at a time. And it was so holy, they were so terrified of the presence of God that they were afraid that they might get struck dead. How does that sound for like a job? Yeah, put me in, coach, right? I'm not kidding. They would tie a rope to the person and a bell. And if the bell ever stopped jingling, they go, oh, he must be dead. Let's pull him out. Because I'm not going in there. He just died, right? So this, this presence of God, this was sacred. This was holy. This was really important that they be pure and blameless to go in there. Now, if you're one of 18,000 and you serve twice a year, the odds are you will have one chance in your lifetime to get into the Holy of Holies. One time. That's it. Well, in our story today, Zechariah has his one time. And he goes into the Holy Zone. He is going to burn the offering of incense. And why is that significant? Well, because I've told you that they were childless. They had been praying for a son for who knows how long, probably decades by this point. Now, his job into the prayer of incense, the, the, the symbolism of the incense is when they offer the prayers, the incense lifts the prayers into God's presence. 
So his job was not to go in with his personal wish list and go, hey, God, here's what I want. I've been waiting a lifetime to get in here, by the way, and this is my one shot. No, his job was to represent the nation of Israel, to pray on behalf of the nation of Israel. And so as Zechariah enters into this Holy of Holies in this presence of God, and he begins the incense, and he begins to pray. He prays for the nation of Israel. Now, they were hoping that they would be delivered from a thing called Roman occupation and a lot of other stress that was going on at the time. So I don't know, and the scripture doesn't record exactly what Zechariah prayed for. But we know that they have been praying for a child for decades. And then this amazing thing happens. And that's where we pick up today. I'm going to ask my buddy Chad to run the words here so that I can read and not click, because that never ends well. Friends don't let friends read and click. <laughs> yes, all right. So Zechariah is praying the prayers of incense. The prayers have taken his prayers for the nation of Israel to God, and then this happens. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. His prayer has been answered. Can you imagine praying for decades for something like that? To be in the presence of God himself, to be offering the prayer of incense, and to have the angel Gabriel appear and tell you, guess what? Today's your lucky day. How would you react? I would be floored. I would be terrified as well. I would be bored. You know, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably run out of there crying like a baby. But anyway, what does Zechariah do is the important thing. Now, understand Zechariah is a priest. He's of a priestly line. He knows the old stories. He knows the story, for example, of Abraham and Sarah, who were also very old and were told, you're going to bear a son. And Abraham said, boy, yeah, I'm a little up there in years, and so is my wife. How is this supposed to go down? And yet it does. That was one of the births that we talked about last week. What was preordained, proclaimed before was Isaac. This is another one. This one is John the Baptist. And there will be another one, Jesus Christ. This is elite territory, folks. The angel Gabriel has just told Zechariah that he's going to bear a son. What does Zechariah do? Zechariah blows it. Let, let's just be honest. He asks this. How can I be sure of this? Ouch. Ooh, man, it was such a great moment. Can't you imagine the cinematic swell of the music? The, oh, you know, all this stuff and the, the incense going up and then like that record scratching sound. You know, how can I be sure of this? And, and it just doesn't, it goes all downhill from there, right? Because then Gabriel, and again, this is all in the text. You can read this. But Gabriel says, look, let, let me paraphrase. This is the version according to Bill. Dude, my name is Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to bring you this good news this day. Now, because of your unbelief, you're going to get a nine-month free supply of shut up. 
And that's what happens. <laughs> he is instantly rendered speechless for nine months. Nine months until John is born. Nine months as a priest not being able to speak. Can you imagine? Wouldn't this service be weird if I couldn't speak? I would be doing sign language, hand puppets. I don't know. PowerPoint. It would be weird. It would be very hard to be a priest and not speak. But that's what happened for nine months. Nine long months, although I bet Elizabeth was thrilled. Anyway, <laughs> for nine months, he couldn't say anything. Now, it makes me wonder, what happened in that nine months? What was it that Zechariah was processing, that was thinking through? And again, the scripture doesn't tell us this, but you can look at the, like I always say, read the Bible in circles. Read a little bit before, read a little bit after, read a little bit before, read a little bit after. You'll get some context because it ends well. It ends very well. But more on that in a moment. Zechariah is speechless. Now, it comes time when the baby is born. He's still speechless. He's got to name the child. He and Elizabeth have to go to the temple on that eighth day, and they do the ceremony, and they say, what name is this child given? And he can't speak. And so his family members, you know how family members, in-laws, they're always helpful in these situations, go, well, uh, why don't you name him after Zechariah? That's his dad's name. And he's like, you know, or whatever it was, yeah. And, and Elizabeth, you know, is like, uh, uh, and, and so he finally, he asks for a tablet, not Microsoft kind, but like stone, yeah, anyway. So he asks for a tablet, and he writes out, his name is John because that's what Gabriel told him. And you remember the last time you disagreed with Gabriel? It didn't end well. So he's not going to disagree anymore. His name is John. And everybody is baffled. Like, There's nobody in your family that's named that. Why would you name him John? Because <laughs> I'm working on a nine-month free supply. Shut up. That's why I'm going to name him John. And so he is named John. And as soon as that name is proclaimed, boom, he's speaking again. As if God was in that, right? That's how you know. So what is it that he says when he speaks? I'm going to flip over here just briefly because we go from silence to song. If you go uh, later into the chapter, Zechariah's song begins in verse 67 of Luke 1. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of it for you uh, so that you can get a sense of what this is about. Now listen to, to what the first thing out of his mouth is after nine months' supply of shut up. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, salvation from our enemies, from the land of all who hates us, to, slow mercy, uh, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. And he goes on and on about the rewards to the nation of Israel, to the people who have suffered for so long. Notice what he doesn't do. God, thank you. Man, we've always wanted a kid. This is awesome. Man, me and Elizabeth, we're not going to be those cultural outcasts anymore. We're going to be normal people. None of it is about him. All of it is about them. Which leads me to this point. Maybe we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. Maybe we're looking for joy inside. And true joy comes from outside. True joy comes from all of us. Maybe we're looking a little bit too small. Now, before you get too uh, anxious about, you know, well, what does that mean? I can't ever have joy for myself? No, of course you can. 
We have daily little joys, but they come and go. I'm talking about eternal joy, joy that can't be taken away, joy that lasts. I'm pretty sure that that's bigger than any one of us. What if we look for joy in other places? What if we look for sons and daughters that we raise, that are a horn of salvation, that represent Christ into the world? What if they go and they make a difference to the nation, to the world? What if we look for joy in the numbers of baptisms that we have at WordSurf? That's coming up on January 28th. When's the last time we did a baptism? I'm not going to answer that because that's, that's part of my job, and I'm not doing a very good job of it. Let's be honest. We are making a difference in this community bit by bit. But what if we found joy in that? What if that's the thing that we look for to find joy? How well are we carrying out the Great Commission? How many people are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ? How many people are becoming disciples of Christ? Can we raise up sons and daughters that speak words of life? You know, did you know that trash talking is at an all-time high? Like trash talking is the thing. If you hang around, you'll hear it. Doesn't matter where. What if we raised encouragement talkers? Words of uplift talkers. Just by the words that we utter, we will stand out as different. And if we do it in a winsome way, then we've made progress in making disciples. But before we can make disciples, we have to be disciples. What if that's where we found our joy? What if we prayed for revival? And I'm not talking like, you know, just wait and see what happens. No, I'm talking like, God, use me in this revival, whether it's just a word of encouragement, whether it's the way that I live and interact with people. Help me to be a part of your revival and let me find joy in that and stop chasing all this little joy that doesn't last. Chase the big joy that lasts eternally. What would that look like in our lives? What would it look like to speak into the community wherever we are those words of life and encouragement? How different would this world look if we could share that kind of joy? I think we need to look for joy in the bigger things. I'm not saying you can't find joy personally. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, realize that's temporary. What God offers is permanent and lasting and shareable, by the way. So as we look at what joy looks like, there we go. That's a good picture of joy, I think. That's a joy that is way bigger, that is too much for me to understand. And like we just sang earlier, yeah, I can't understand everything. I can't answer your every question. I can't tell you why certain things happen and certain things don't. I can't tell you why sometimes I feel broken and sometimes I don't. But what I can tell you is I trust Jesus. If I trust him, I can follow him. If I follow him and obey him, he will bring about his kingdom here on earth. What do you think heaven is going to look like when it comes to joy? Is heaven going to be your own little cubicle where nobody bothers you, the kids don't bother you while you're trying to do your chores, the, the, nobody's calling you from work, you're just in this little bit of silence all by yourself? Is that heaven? I doubt it. I don't know. I've never been there. But what I hear is there's a lot of people there. A lot of people that you might be surprised to see there. Uh, in fact, they might be surprised to see you there, in fact. Anyway, <laughs> there's going to be a ton of people. 
So we have to figure out how to find joy in each other, in community, together. That's the way that we're wired. That's the way that we're created. That's what heaven is going to look like. And if we can spread that little bit of good news, that little bit of joy, and have people experience that peace that passes understanding when we fix our eyes on Christ Jesus, well, then we will have done a good job of building the kingdom here on earth. See, what it really boils down to is peace in this season of peace. And not just for me, not just for us, peace for the world. Huh. Maybe Miss America was on to something. Give peace a chance. Give world peace a chance. Let it begin with us. Will you pray with me, please? Yeah, we thank you for the peace that your son brought to us. Not just an absence of conflict, because there's lots of conflict in this world. But God, the restoration, what is possible as we put our trust in him. And God, as we do that this morning, I pray that we would bring whatever it is that keeps us from you to remove any obstacles that we have, that we might encounter you anew, and that we might get just a taste of that eternal joy. And as we go from here, Share that joy with all the world until the world experiences you up close, personal, yet together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.